Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of the White Man Can Jump podcast. That's Man, M-A-N, Can, C-A-N, hosted by yours truly, John Whited, a.k.a. Mr. No Look. Each episode will break down any and all things NBA, provide insight and analysis from the greatest minds in basketball. Each episode will be joined by a special guest. And today, we're joined by my dear friend, Andrew Bradley, diehard NBA fan, and unfortunately for him, a Washington Wizards fan. How you doing, Brownlee? I'm doing great. Looking forward to the conversation. And I know you really wanted me on this to get the most obscure Wizards takes possible. So looking forward to that. That's what the people want. So we're, that's what we're going to give to them. But instead, we'll start with the Nets and Bucks game one. Um, very highly anticipated series. Maybe the most highly anticipated second round series we've had in a long time. Um, and last night, game one was full of drama with James Harden injuring himself on the first possession of the game. We'll get to that a little bit later, but we'll start with the Blake Griffin game. Blake Griffin's first playoff trip or double double since 2016 with 18 points and 14 rebounds, four of nine from deep. Um, he did all the dirty work. Um, you know, something you never think um, from Blake Griffin because he was such a flashy player. Early in his career, he got a technical foul late in the game with a hard foul. Something you just, every contender or championship team needs is someone that will do that dirty work. And who would have thought picking up Blake Griffin early in the season would be that guy, especially with the way he looked in uh, Detroit? Yeah, I mean, I think he knows where he's at in his career. And you could tell when he stripped it, I think, from Middleton off a defensive rebound, just diving on the floor, going for that ball, getting uh, yeah. the tie-up. You know, he's definitely like an energy guy at this point. Um, unfortunately, I, I think the Blake Griffin game is a complete mirage. Um, <laughs> okay. He's, he's starting, and he's out there to provide spacing, right? He hit 4, 9, or 3, as you said, but... I just can't see that happening again throughout this season. Like he's not a good three point shooter. He's like thirty one or thirty two percent this season around that for his career. Uh, so he's like marginally better than Giannis, and Giannis should never be shooting a three ball. <laughs> it's fair. <ever>, so. <laughs> it's fair. Um, yeah, I mean that's a good point. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna shoot forty four and a half percent from three the rest of the way. Um, but I, I think he will bring that nastiness, that hustle, the effort, doing the little things um, that this team needs. They have a couple players like that. Uh, Mike James was like that today. Uh, he had or last night he had a great game. Uh, Bruce Brown's like that always. Um, so you know they ha- they have like you made a point here in our agenda that you know their role players know their roles and they play them well um, and and they really do and they all bring a unique skill set and. Blake Griffin's no different, and you made a great point that he's just very aware that he's no longer, you know, 2015 Blake Griffin, where he was the top five player in the league, um, and he just wants to win, and he showed that since he's been here, and um, while it might be a mirage, his shooting, it might have also won him the series, um, and that might have been the difference, you know, if you get, who knows when James Harden's coming back, if he is coming back at all this series or this playoffs, but... Stealing that game when you lose 
you know, a top seven player in the league, um, is, uh, is pretty good. And you can, you can afford to do that when you have, you know, two of the greatest offense and talents the league has ever seen, not just now, but in the history of the game and KD and Kyrie Irving, who combined for, um, just under 54 or 54 points for the game. Um, KD at 29, Kyrie at 25, he had 20 of those in the first half. And that first half, Kyrie was just not fair. It was a cheat code. And I, I tweeted out last night that Kyrie has the biggest bag that anyone's ever had to pick from. And there, he just has moves on moves on moves. And when you think he's done, he'll hit you with another one. And he'll get to the paint and somehow finish over seven-footers, even though he's only 6'3 and barely gets off the ground when he finishes. It's just unreal. Yeah, I mean, they're both absurd, and they're able to get their shots, you know, in different ways, obviously. Kyrie is just all smooth and chicanery. Um, KD, smooth in his own right, but he's also, you know, tallest human can, who can shoot threes alive. So he's able to just, you know, like P.J. Tucker's up against KD, and he's a good defender even in his advanced age, but KD's just so tall he can, you know, pull up over Tucker whenever he wants and he can use that uh, to get around him also. So obviously we knew this was going to prevent matchup nightmares for any defense, even the Bucks vaunted defense. The James Harden trade was you know, supposed to give you three amazing players and it would give you insurance for exactly this scenario. Um, you know, I think a lot of us were more concerned about KD coming into this season, coming off the Achilles, but uh, even without Harden, Kyrie and KD are great. But the only, the other thing that trade was theoretically going to happen was it was going to kill the Nets' depth. But I'm feeling like they are even deeper than they were before the trade because they have, like you said, those role players that just fit perfectly. They got Claxton, they got Bruce Brown, they got um, Blake Griffin, and they're all just fitting into the team. They're all hustling like crazy. I mean, I mentioned Joe Harris, my boy from UVA. <laughs> oh, please. Just lights out shooter. And he was putting it on the deck um, also. He's, he's using the threat of his three as well to get around defenders, so... Yeah, no, that's, the offense is terrifying. Yeah, it is. It's the most terrifying offense ever. Um, they have literally three all-time offensive players that probably will never be duplicated again in the history of the NBA, and they're all on the same team. Right now, they only have two. So going back to your point on, you know, the big three, you know, the first blog I ever wrote for Black and Yellow, um, the old website I used to write for, um, I, I kind of explored that whether or not a big three is necessary. And my thesis was essentially you need a big two. Um, but one thing having a big three gives you is if you lose one, you still have a big two, which is what you really need because spending that max amount of money on a third guy, you can generally find a better use for that money on, you know, a third banana that doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, one of the best players in the league and then some role players that fit you well. But like you saw with the Lakers this year, if 
one or two of those players go down, you're screwed. So your season's over. Um, but having a big three like this, you know, no one thinks there's any way the Nets are out of this series, even though they lost, which on any, just about any team in the league would be their best player, um, which is crazy to think about. And um, to your point, the, the role players are playing great. Um, they all buy in. Um, I think that has a lot to do with Steve Nash, um, one of the smartest basketball minds this game has ever seen. Um, getting them to buy into their roles. Um, and he's had to juggle more lineups than maybe anyone in the history of the NBA has in his first season. He's done a great job, and he's pushed all the right buttons and um, and looking great. And to your point, you know, it's not just Kyrie and KD. It's Joe Harris. It's Mike James. It's Landry Shamit. But the ball just doesn't stop moving, which is not what you think. Everyone thought when James Harden came there, it was just going to be three three guys isoing and taking their turns, and, and that's not how it's been at all. And and I think that's a really underrated part of their game. Yeah, I think that ball movement is devastating the Bucks in particular because they love to double down in the post, and that um, they're able to recover on that first pass out of the post at times. But that second one is almost always wide open. Um, you know, watching the game last night. There were, you know, a handful of times I can remember clearly where, you know, Kyrie or Katie has it, tough the key, they get it into the post, the double comes from the Bucks, that double is passed out of, that's where Blake can be great, he's a, still a good passer, for sure. Um, uh, pass out of the post, and then swing it once, and you get wide open from out, outside the arc. So, you know, I think... There needs to be adjustments from the Bucks. Um, you know, when you are facing an offense that is this potent, even without Harden, I think it's tough to figure out what that adjustment is. And, you know, I think we all have uh, fairly some doubts about whether Bud is the right coach to find those adjustments. Yeah, he's definitely struggled um, in the playoffs to do that. And um, you know, I wrote an article this week, um, which kind of looks silly right now, but I made a case for the Bucks in this series. And I said, you know, um, they have defensive matchups that, you know, you, you hope can contain the elite scoring that the Nets have in their individual um, players. Uh, and I also mentioned, you know, Bud has made some, some changes this year to the pick and roll defense and, and a couple other adjustments he made during the regular season. And it was hoping he could continue that in the playoffs. Um, he obviously didn't really have to make many adjustments in the first round, but, you know, we'll see if he can do that this round. But um, one adjustment they won't have to make is Giannis. I mean, he's he had 34 and 11. I mean, he did his thing. Um, he's going to get his this series. They, they don't have anyone that can match up with them. Um, they just don't. And it's going to be up to um, really Chris Middleton to step up. He was 6 of 23 with 13 points. And, you know, the last couple of playoffs, he's been pretty disappointing when Giannis has been um, stifled in the last couple playoffs by Bam Adebayo and Kawhi Leonard. And, um, you know, another thing too, the Bucks, which you know will revert to the mean. Where, according to Kirk Goldsberry, um, nine of thirty-eight from outside the paint—that's twenty-four percent. So, 
you have to imagine that will come back. They were one of the better three-pointing teams this year. They set an NBA record with 29 threes in one game. So you got to imagine that will come back. And and so both both sides, you know, have areas where they can improve from this game. So, I mean, I think it's still going to be a good series. It's just um, the Nets got the first one, and the first one sometimes the most important. Yeah, and, you know, I think if you're looking for rays of hope as a Bucks fan, Giannis was MVP-level Giannis last night. Yep. It was amazing. Um, Middleton was terrible, but you... Like you said, you got to hope for some mean reversion there. He's not going to clank every shot that he takes, hopefully, for the rest of the series, um, or else we're going to have some serious questions about his playoff mentality going yeah. forward. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, I think there are ways that the Bucks can improve, and without Harden, you know, I think there is a chance. You know, we, I, I don't think this is going to be a sweep. Coming into last night, I thought the Bucks had, like, not favored, but I think I thought they had the best chance of stopping the Nets. Um, definitely on the Eastern side and possibly, you know, in the entire NBA. We'll talk about the Jazz later, hopefully, but um, great game by Giannis. Milton's got to play better. Um, their rotation players, you know, I. And feeling like maybe DiVincenzo was just like one too many people they're missing. In that, you know, they are forced to play their end of the bench rotation players more. And I say forced, but I really just want Bud to actually play his stars more than like 32 minutes in a game, which I think, you know, Giannis. Giannis played 17 minutes in the first half. It's insane. Like you got to play them forty minutes the rest of the series. Yeah, Kyrie um, played forty five minutes. KD played forty. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree, and that's something that he's been reluctant to do. And uh, yeah, you got to put everything on the line when uh, when it gets to the playoffs, and um, we haven't seen that yet from him. So that's another adjustment, not necessarily in-game adjustment, but strategic adjustment that he'll need to make if they, they want to win. Um, but, you know, there's no reason to overreact. Uh, I think this, like you said, this will still be a good series with or without James Harden. I think it'll still be close. It'll at least go six games, I imagine. Um, it's just, uh, like I said, no matter who makes the best adjustments, we'll probably win. And, and it's also a make-or-miss league. So whoever's hitting shots, they'll probably win too. So, um, speaking of hidden shots, one thing that I think will, which I neglected in my article this week, um, to address was the free throw shooting, which could be huge, um, down the stretch of these games. Um, in the first round of the, the playoffs, Giannis missed more free throws than the Nets did as a team. <laughs> and Giannis is going to be going to the line more than anyone on that team, even though he only had three free throws last night. He was 0 for 3. Um, the Nets didn't get to the line much, but they only missed one. Um, so yeah, that could definitely be a difference maker in the game. I mean, you just leaving points out there and the Nets, Nets will make you pay if you get in the bonus. Yeah. I, I mean, even if he's only making though 60% of his free throws, you know, over the course of the entire game, that's still 1.2 points per possession or something like that. Um, which is good. 
Uh, and obviously not what you want when you're coming down uh, the clutch stretch or anything, but we need Giannis to be aggressive. He needs to be hunting fouls in the paint, especially if they're going to have KD be their defensive anchor. Like, he was, I think he had four fouls going into the fourth or something like that. Okay. Like, why not go at him? Like, force the refs to make calls on that. KD's a good defensive player, but um, he is coming off an Achilles. You are theoretically a Greek god. Like, try to dunk on him a few times, get some more fouls against him. And if they want KD to be that defensive anchor down there, then they're going to have to pay for it also. So I, I would love to see Giannis stay aggressive, keep on racking up those free throw, throw attempts, regardless of whether you're making um, 60% or whatever his average is at this point. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, he's got to stay aggressive. It's just... Just one, you know, nugget I, I heard on SportsCenter and just was shocked that that was the case. But I mean, it, it speaks to how good the Nets are at free throw shooting. I mean, the three best players shoot eighty five percent or better. Um, Joe Harris is automatic from the line. Landry Shamit shoots ninety percent. I mean, just you go down the list, and they're they're not going to give up any points, and um, and that, that that could that could be the difference in the game. Um, you know, one other note you had on here is, uh, just, I think is a great point is Giannis needs to be the screener rather than the ball handler in the pick and roll. And, you know, I've always heard, you know, my coach always taught me the best way to get open in basketball is to set a pick. And when you are the ball handler, all the attention's on you, none of the attention is on the pick. So, um, so I think that's a great point. And, and, you know, he gets, uh, a good role gets the ball there. I mean, he's one, he's a great decision maker. So if someone steps over, he'll find the open shooter. But if he gets ahead of steam going down the lane, there's no one in this league that can stop him. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to see him setting more screens um, in the pick and roll. Also just like screens to free up other shooters. You know, he's going to demand attention when he's inside the three point line. When he's the ball handler going into a pick and roll, the Nets are constantly dropping back and they are mucking up the screener so the screener can't get free in there. You know, Giannis, you want to stand out by the three point line, you know, be our guest. I mean, please take that three because you're never going to hit it. Yeah. Uh, so he's, his transition needs to be away from like, I am the next coming of LeBron to I am the. Uh, Shaq 2.0 on the theoretical evolution of what the big man who dominates the paint is going to be. And uh, he's got the passing, like you said, so that when they do try to shut him off inside the paint, he can pass out of that. But his orbit, his gravity is so much stronger within the three-point line, and it just completely... Uh, disappears when he's outside of it. So he needs to be down there as much as possible, setting screens, getting other people open because of how dominant he is down there. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that, that's a good point. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, Giannis is going to get his. It's just how how everyone else reacts and how, how they play will decide this series. Because, um, you know, 
the big two or the big three of the Nets are going to get theirs. Um, and we, we have maybe a little more confidence in their role players right now. So, um, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, the series isn't over, like we said, but um, I think the Nets made a pretty big statement that, you know, there's a reason why they're considered the favorites to win the title. And, um, and you're going to have to stop them to, to prove them wrong. So um, you got anything else on the game? Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, I, yeah I'm still looking forward to this series. I really want to see some good adjustments for the Bucks so we can um, see it go long. You know, I'd love to see Game 7. I think we're going to talk about another Game 7. The two best uh, words in sports right there. Absolutely. Yes, we are. Today at 3.30 Eastern Time, we have the Los Angeles Clippers versus the Dallas Mavericks in a Game 7 of the first round. Who you got and why, Brownlee? We'll get right to it. I have Luka Doncic. And I totally screwed up that pronunciation, but he is amazing. And I said Luca, not the maps, because Luca's the entire team, basically. Yep. Uh, I believe in Luca. He is. The Clips don't have an answer for him. Nope. Um, the entire series, he's gotten what he wants. He has completely uh, eliminated certain players from this series, like Zubats cannot play in this series and he was like integral to the Clippers regular season played a ton in the first round also or, or sorry um, coming into the first round was playing a ton um, Luka gets what he wants um, last game Kawhi also got whatever he wanted and I am just betting that Luka can keep it going more than Kawhi which you know it almost sounds sacrilegious, but uh, Luca is already that good in his second year. Third year, but yeah, he was—he was that good last year too. <laughs> um, and he—I mean, yeah, I, I think I got—I think I got to go Luca too. Like same reason, he's just—he's the best player in the series, um, which is saying a lot considering Kawhi is not far from his peak as a player. He's still in his prime, but not quite where he was in probably 2019. Um, I think a big part of that is his defense isn't quite where it used to be. His, his scoring is, like as he showed last game, tied his career high in the playoffs with 45 points. Um, he can still get his, and he does it very efficiently. Um, and doesn't demand the ball all the time. But I don't think he's quite the same defender, and that, that's maybe what they need more than 45 points is someone that can harass Luka like, you know, Kawhi used to do. Um, they also have Paul George, who you think would be one of the other. You think they'd be like two of the five best defenders you could throw at Luka, and it just doesn't matter. That's how good he is. Um, and he's, he's made him pay. And But I, I think, you know, adjustment for the Clippers to make is you got to have Kawhi or Paul George on him at all times. You got to make him work, and you got to fight through the screens. Um, he still might get his, but make it as tough as you can on him because there's not anyone else on this roster that even remotely has a chance to cover him than those two. Yeah, absolutely. Kawhi's still got his octopus arms going in for seals and everything, but I think you're right. I think the knee, it's sapping some of his quickness, uh, especially on defense, where it's just not quite as good as it was. He's still a good defender. Um, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but definitely. He's not. 
defensive player. Not maybe the best perimeter level. defender of all yeah. time like he used to be. Right, which is really too bad. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. They gotta have. They gotta put as much as they can against Luca when they're on defense, and then they have to continue getting Luca onto either uh, Kawhi or PG when they're on offense. Also, uh, I think we were talking earlier off, off mic about the end of this game where the Mavs, for some reason, were just giving Kawhi the matchup he wanted against Luka every time uh, when the when the Mavs were on defense. And I just could not understand that. Like, they weren't fighting the pick at all, just, like, uh, just letting it happen. And Luka, for as amazing as he is on offense, just, I mean, he's not super athletic. He's huge. He's He can get what he wants through strength and cunning and his deceleration is great, but lateral quickness is not his hallmark at all. No. And Kawhi can, like he showed last game, can thoroughly abuse that when given the opportunity. Yeah, and I think that's a problem with today's NBA is just, I mean, switching is the best way to play a pick and roll if you're honestly switching one good defender for another good defender, but it's done too frequently when it's a clearly a, a di- completely different matchup when you're switching in. Um, and yeah, I think the clips f- fall into that as well, where um, they're switching for no apparent reason and giving Luca the matchup he wants that, you know, he can exploit. So, um, you know, he's arguably been the best player in the playoffs so far. Um, and, you know, that's, saying a lot with all the superstars we have in the league this, you know, this year. And, and, um, and he's only 20, well, how's he 21, 22? I mean, it's crazy in his ceiling, you know, who knows if we'll ever rack up the titles and the MVPs to, you know, be a top 10 player of all time, but that that's really a ceiling. And, um, he's just a special talent and we, we haven't really seen too many people like him. His ability to score, his ability to pass, his ability to create off the dribble, his ability to finish, I mean, it's, it's pretty unique, and he's only going to get better. Yeah, he is an, an incredible player, and if you are you know, one of the GMs that pick someone else instead of him, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I know Aiden and Trey are doing well, but they aren't in this conversation. They aren't in the... Uh, could this guy be a top ten player of all time? You know, I think we're all just assuming Luca's winning his MVP in the next like two or three years. So, yep. you know, it, it's just wild to see from, like you said, a twenty-two year old or whatever he is right now. Yeah. Um. You know, I I saw you know five thirty eight has their projection machine and they have comps for you know players who are in a similar uh, statistical profile at the same age or experience level within the NBA. And Luca's number one comp is LeBron. Um, you know, LeBron's more athletic, obviously, but I think to, as you go down the list for it, it's, you know, all of these amazing all-time great Hall of Fame players. Yeah. And... I also think that compared to LeBron, the Mavs team is very similar to LeBron's first stop in the Cavs, where 
on the Cavs, where it's just like this amazing, all-time great, going to be an MVP player, and then just like a lot of uh, players around him. Yeah. KD, that contract is so bad. Yeah, not looking good. Um, Um, Well, the the good thing about Elise Luka is he has an owner that's going to go for it and try to capitalize on this. Uh, I don't think LeBron necessarily had that in in Cleveland. Uh, um, I've heard some interviews with Mark Cuban, and he realizes how special Luka is. And, you know, he's had a player similar similarly special and, you know, and Dirk and, um, and he knows how special that is and how rare it is. And they don't come around very often and you got to capitalize when they do. So yeah, right now he doesn't have the supporting cast that you'd want, um, for a title contender. Um, but, um, you know, KP is definitely not a number two that you can win a title with. I don't think, um, Right now, the Mavs sit at plus uh, 3,000 title odds, so they're a long shot, and I don't even think that's worth throwing five bucks at because they just don't have the necessary pieces around them. Um, you know, it's really tough to win a title by yourself. Um, you know, uh, Hardaway has been playing great, um, but he, he's not quite that guy if he's your third or fourth guy, maybe you can win a title, but right now he's their second best guy. Um, and, uh, so I, I think, it'll, and it'll be, you know, good learning experience for Luca over the next couple of years. He might not quite get there, but, um, you know, hopefully they can do something the off season, sign some free agent, um, and give him the help he needs. Yeah. They should have cap space. If I'm, Recalling correctly, so hopefully they can get someone to help out uh, and be, you know, uh, a better supporting player for Luca. Yep. Well, we'll see who wins tonight or today. Um, I think it'll be a good one. I, I just don't trust the Clippers with the way they exited the postseason last year to uh, come through under the pressure. Um, but and I, and I just like. To have the best player in the series uh, on my on my side, so that that's the main reason I, I chose them. Yep, yeah, I'm on the same same page with you. Okay, well, and also I also just want to see Luca keep going. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge Luca stan, and I I'm not ashamed to say it, and uh, I will always root for him, uh, and t- t- today is no exception. So let's transition to you know. Someone we compared Luka to earlier, that's LeBron James and the Lakers. Um, the most dramatic team this season with all their injuries. LeBron's always dramatic to begin with. Um, they never really got going in the second half of the year because of injuries to LeBron and AD. They came back before the season ended, but weren't really healthy. AD got injured again, so... You know, it's hard to really judge this team because we didn't get to see them at full strength when it mattered most. And, um, you know, before they got hurt, I think the Lakers had the first or second best record in the league. Um, and, you know, they were, they were fine. No one had any concerns about them. LeBron was an MVP candidate. Um, and so, 
everyone has been freaking out about, you know, their performance in the postseason. And, and yeah, it wasn't pretty. And LeBron lost in the first round of the playoffs for the first time. And, um, and the Thunder, or no, sorry, not Thunder, the Suns just destroyed the Lakers the last couple games and it didn't look pretty. But um, without Anthony Davis healthy, they probably, they're not going to win the championship anyways, even if you have LeBron James. So um, it's really how do they regroup next year? How many changes do they make? Um, you know, I think the biggest change is they need to get better on offense. They had an offensive rating of 104.9 in the playoffs, which would have been only the Thunder would have been worse in the regular season. Um, looking forward, they have 114 million guaranteed to six players in t- next year. The cap at 121 million, so they don't have much room to work. Um, they got LeBron at 41 million, AD at 35 million, KCP and Kuzma at 13 million each. Um, Trez has a player option at 10 million, and Gasol at 3 million. So, um, I think the real question is for next year, you know, they're going to have LeBron and AD if they're healthy. They're automatic title contender, but who's their third banana going to be this year? It was supposed to be um, Schroeder this year, but he, you know, didn't didn't have the season he had last year and struggled in the playoffs. So are they going to bring him back? Who are they going to go after? I think that's the biggest question they have. Yeah, I before we look ahead, I just want to, like, reset ourselves. I see, you know, like, first take and everyone, obviously, their job is to be inflammatory. <laughs> but they are just, like, assuming that AD has lost his leg forever and, you know, LeBron is 45 years old and you know, they're never going to get back to the heights they were last year. Yeah. Yeah, I think as an industry, sports is always going to be reactionary, but... You know, at the end of the 2020 playoffs, LeBron was the best player alive, yeah. right? That yeah. was the consensus thinking. Um, the end of the 2019 playoffs, Kawhi was, you know, taking the title as the MVP and the best player in the league. You know, so I think a lot of it is just like, you know, who won the title and who was the best player in that team? And then automatically, like, they're the favorites. You know, coming into the 2020-21 season, the... Lakers were odds-on favorites. Yeah, they were in a tier by themselves. Like you said earlier, before AD and LeBron were injured, they were top two in record and at rating. Uh, LeBron and Davis were something like plus 14 in that rating when playing together, which is just absurd. So, yeah, they did not look great in the Suns series, but I think we... We all know that they weren't at full health. Uh, AD coming back from his injury and then got injured again during the series. LeBron had been playing uh, for a few weeks, but a high ankle sprain is something that takes a long time to fully recover from. And you could tell he wasn't driving with the same intensity that he had been last season and the beginning of this season. So, you know, at some point, Father time is going to beat LeBron. I don't think that's the case here. I think it's the case of like a 200-something pound man dived into his leg and messed up his ankle a few months ago, and it's taken a little longer to recover from that. So I think the best improvement they can make for next year is just get these guys healthy. They're going to have 
a ton of time off now with the first round exit. So, like, enjoy Cancun for a few weeks, get into your hyperbaric chambers, and get healthy, I think, is the number one concern. Yeah, for sure. Um, Go ahead. I I was just going to say, as far as, like, who's going to join them, um, the Schrodinger uh, dilemma... The Schroeder, uh, Schroeder's cat dilemma. Um, he was great in a tertiary role in OKC last season, and he just like, even though he upgraded his you know stars that he was with this season, he still decided he was the best player on the team for some reason. <laughs> And it was just like trying to get his the whole time. Um, maybe if he if they if he had accepted like I am going to run this offense when LeBron's not in, I think that's like what they really need is someone to just run offense that's not LeBron all the time. Um, this could have been a really good team, and they were a really good team before Mark got injured. So. I think they can make some like marginal moves around the edges. You know, they could potentially trade like KC or Kuz or something like that. Um, I would keep KCP because I think they need the shooting, but I I don't think they need to make wholesale changes to this team. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have two of the when they're healthy, two of the five best players in the league, like you don't really need much else. I mean, it's obviously nice to have the pieces that fit around you, and if you have a third guy who can you know, help you out, carry the load at times. If one of them is slacking, like it's obviously nice to have, but you're in a good place if that's where you're starting. Right. And so, um, so, but knowing the Lakers, they never settle. Um, Palenka has made some pretty good moves. Uh, no one was expecting to pull a shorter move last year, which I think a lot of people at the time thought it was a pretty good move. Um, which it didn't work out, but it doesn't mean it was a bad idea. Um, you could see a similar type of move this year, uh, maybe not the same type of player, but um, a move around the edges like that that hopefully, you know, you know, changes the fate for them next year. Yeah, I I don't know if you remember from the twenty twenty playoffs, but when they're playing Denver, LeBron was like putting all these. Uh, all this adulation upon Jeremy Grant, I, I think that player would fit pretty well on this team, maybe even really well on this team. So I wouldn't be surprised if they try to make a run at something like that, where they can bring in another shooter, a wing, and play some defense. Also, uh, you know, Jeremy played well in Detroit, but uh, I have. Through my sources, of course, uh, I feel like he wants out. Somewhere. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, who wants to be in Detroit and well, <laughs> in general? And then their basketball situation is even worse than the city. And uh, well, I've never been to the city, so I can't knock it. But I just don't like the cold. But uh, I know Blake Griffin was not happy to go there when he left LA. Let's put it that way. Uh, but yeah, that would be. I don't know that they'd have enough to get him. I don't know. I mean, I can't predict what the Pistons front office will do. They were crazy as hell last year, signing all these big men. So they're bound to make bad decisions. So, um, so yeah, you might be able to steal them from uh, the Pistons. Um, 
and there, I'm sure there's other moves that they can make. Um, but yeah, like I said, they 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 got a pretty good core coming back um, outside of them. The, you know, the, the three through six guys are are pretty good options, and and they got two of the five best players, and that's really all you probably need. So, um, I think you know we spent enough time on them. You know, they're not even playing anymore. But it was obligatory to talk about the Lakers. So let's move on to the Suns, the team that took them down. And these are my darlings of the playoffs. I have always been a big CP3 fan ever since he was at Wake Forest. Um, I I just want him to win a title, and I, I think they really do have a chance, especially if uh, they're going to keep playing the way they did in that Lakers series Uh Aiden made a little leap. Booker, I think, made a huge leap. Um, might even call him a superstar now. Um, he averaged 29.7, or 29.7, 6.2, and uh, five assists on 49-43-94 shooting splits, which is unreal and, you know, absolutely took it to him in the last two games. So, um, and they have great role players with Mikel Bridges, Jay Crowder, um, campaign was giving them some good minutes too um so i think i think they're poised to make a run they got plus 800 title odds i think that's a really good value um but um it's whether or not cb3 stays healthy he already got hurt in the first round um he wasn't quite himself the rest of the way but hopefully this little bit of time off gives him some time to recover and get back to where he was yeah the suns definitely deserve their flowers um They've been playing great all year, and they just dominated a injured but still dominated and injured uh, Lakers team over the last two games. Yeah, and that's with, like you said, CP3 nursing his shoulder injury. Hopefully, he can get you know as right as he possibly can. I would hate for another title run to be derailed by an injury of some sort. Uh, CP3 is amazing. Like we should talk about Booker also, who is definitely taking a leap. Um, and his shooting has been amazing, but CP3 just makes every team he comes to so much better. Uh, Clippers, Rockets, Thunder, now the Suns. Um, and he's doing this now at 36 years old. Right. He's the same age as LeBron. Yeah. Um, in a much smaller package. So, I am just happy for him. I'm hoping they have a long run. I'd love to see them in the title game, uh, give CP3 a chance to win that ring. You know, thinking back to the Rockets collapse when he hurt his hamstring, you know, that was one where the ring was so close. Cause they're, they're going to steamroll that Cavs team if they beat the uh, Warriors. So I would love to see. CP3 get his ring or at least get a chance at it in the finals. Yeah, and I mean, there's a reason everyone calls him the point god. I mean, he really is. Maybe there's people, point guards that have better statistical resumes, but I don't think there's ever been a point guard or a player that controls the pace of the game the way he does and makes sure he puts his team in the best place to win. And there's a lot to be said for that. And um, I, and he's done it for the Suns team. Everyone thought it was a good acquisition. 
when they got them, but I don't think many people thought they were going to be the second seed in the West and have a second best record in the league um, like they did. Um, and it's the real big difference on their team is they got CP3. And, you know, obviously some other people stepped up. Bridges had a much yeah. better year than he's had previously. Booker made a little leap. Like, um, there were other factors. He's just but, one of those, yeah, so he's just one of those players that makes everyone around him better. Yeah, um, so, absolutely. you know, some of it is like Booker, you know, taking his game to another level, um, eight and figuring out how to play uh, the big position in his third year. But CB3 is someone who, through his play on the court, but also, I think, like, off the court, you hear, like, all the stories about him just, like, constantly pushing his teammates as well to be their best and, you know, imparting his, you know, like, old man wisdom at this point upon his teammates. Yeah, and that's exactly what, I mean, this team, you know, Kevin O'Connor from the Ringer called him the bright future son for the last couple of years because they were so young and talented and um, they needed veteran leadership that they've gotten from CB3 a little bit also from Jay Crowder has brought some of that as well um, to mix in with this young talent. And I think it's been a perfect, perfect uh, marriage and um, we'll see where they go. I mean, they got the nuggets in the next round, which, you know, without Jamal Murray, I think they got a very good shot, um, but you can never count out Jokic and um, they'll have to work hard to get, get it. Um, but We'll have to see um, see if Booker can keep it up and if Aiden can handle Jokic, but I do like their odds. Yeah, I, I just want to give Aiden um, like a, a mini praise real quick. He is playing really hard. Uh, and I think that was one of the criticisms he had coming out of college at ASU, I think, was that Arizona. he was like, kind of lazy on the court. Arizona. Yeah. Um, that was close. Uh, he's kind of lazy on the court um, and in practice, but he is like, sprinting the floor nonstop. He's rolling, you know, he's rolling so hard to the rim uh, that he is uh, not creating his own gravity there. And then when you have the players you have around him in Chris Paul, Devin Booker, uh, Bridges, Crowder, who can all stroke it uh, pretty well, it, it just opens people up and they're getting amazing looks at the basket, even if Aiton never actually touches the ball, just because he is he's you know, he's putting in the effort, he's trying hard. Yeah. Yeah, but that's something you can't teach. Effort, I mean, it sounds simple, but just giving a shit um, goes a long ways, especially, you know, all these guys are super talented. It's just who wants it more um, and who's who's thinks about the game the right way, and I think they have both of that, and how hard they're playing and, you know, their, their basketball IQ led by CP3. So, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I like their odds at plus 800 to win the title. I, I think that's where I'd, if I was a bed man, that's where I'd put my money. Um, but uh, I'm excited to see the, the series with the Nuggets. Um, and, you know, outside of CP3, I think Jokic might be my next best, my next favorite player to watch too. So why don't we talk about them, uh, what, do, what do you see what what they can do against the Suns in this series? Do they have much of a chance? Uh, I mean, they got the MVP on their team, so yeah. It's good they start, right? Got a chance. <laughs> um, so, 
that's uh, always a good box to check. And you know, they lost Murray, and I think a lot of people thought that was the death knell for this Nuggets team. But the Joker has been playing out of his mind, and, uh, and not just on offense. He is part of a respectable defense, which is something I don't think a lot of people thought was possible yeah. a few years ago. I, I think part of that is him putting in the effort on conditioning. I think uh, their coaching staff uh, with Michael Malone and Wes Unsell, uh, he has put together a really good team defense and that they in turn are using that along with Jokic's brilliance to just continue winning and they look really good and I uh, it yeah, Suns I think like you said are a good betting odds uh, with eight, plus 800 uh, the Nuggets aren't going to be easy for them though and I can see Jokic just you know, taking all that effort that we just talked about that Aiden's putting in and finding ways to turn it against him. He's just that creative and that brilliant on offense. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's we talked about the Nets trio being one-of-a-kind talents. Uh, Jokic is the same way. I mean, it's not even close. Um, he's the best passing big man we've ever seen. I mean, he's one of the best passers in the history of the game, no matter what, if not the best. I mean, he... He throws passes and sees angles that just about no one sees and no one has ever seen playing basketball. So, I mean, you got Michael Porter ever since Jamal Murray has gone down. He's been playing out of his mind, too. Uh, he had 22 in the first quarter of a closeout game the other night. Um, so, you know, he can pick up that void that Murray left and um, the rest of the role players are, are stepping up and playing their role. Uh, Monty Morris has been playing great. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think they do really have a shot. Um, you know, Jokic is going to play a great series. I have no doubt in that. It's just, it's just, can everyone keep up and can they, can they keep, um, they, they can put Aaron Gordon on Devin Booker, which would be a great matchup. I'd love to see that and maybe slow him down a little bit, give themselves a little bit better chance on the defensive end. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll see. It'll be a be a better matchup than I think people are, are giving credit for. Um, and, you know, may the best team win. It would be great if we had Murray in this and we could really really see uh, another a battle versus him and Booker like we saw with him and, and Mitchell last year. But um, we won't get to see that. But it doesn't mean it won't be a great game or a great series. Yeah, I can't wait for this series. I think we're going to have a ton of great series in the second round so um, I, I did love the Aaron Gordon pickup for them he's a great just utility knife that, for them to put on you know, whoever is their best wing scorer that they're playing against yeah. you know, a great person to try to do that and you can switch across a bunch of different positions yeah. you know, I, I think an issue the Nuggets had against the Blazers was um, they didn't really have the guard stoppers. So I'm interested to see how that works with uh, Chris Paul and Booker there. You know, I, I think one of them is going to be uh, you know, not defended by an all-class defender. Yeah. You know, whether 
you know, CP3 is healthy enough to take advantage of that. If uh, Gordon's going to be on Booker, we'll see. Yeah. So I mean, I like I like this matchup. I think I think it'll go at least six or seven, hopefully seven. Um, and you know, we'll keep watching that. Uh, let's transition to our last topic here. Um, the Jazz, the team has been best in the league pretty much the whole year. No one seems to talk about them, so why don't we talk about them? Um, you know, they they handled it. They handled the. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies in the first round went five games um, looked really good um, question is can they win the title I think they can um, they've got really really good players they have uh, advanced stat darlings in Rudy Gobert and Mike Connolly they got Donovan Mitchell the face of the franchise uh, putting up massive numbers and then they have the top two six-man-of-the-year candidates in Poyan and Joe Ingles. So they've got a really talented roster. Uh, that's the reason they had the you know, top seed in the West. And everyone's you know, continuing to discount them, but they are deep. They're really good. Um, Great coach. And I don't buy into the argument that like Rudy is uh, not someone who can play in the playoffs. I, I, I think he is a really good player. I think he's you know, obviously the fulcrum of their defense, but he's also a good offensive player with the screens that he's able to set. Yeah, and so I agree. Um, they, they just have pieces that fit. Everything makes sense on their team. They can play defense. They can play offense. They can shoot the ball. They led. I think they might have had the most three pointers per game in the history of the league. I know they led the league this season. Um, and so if they start hitting shots, I mean, they can win two or three games just with their in a series just with a three point shooting alone. So um, yeah, I definitely think they can win the title too. Um, they just don't have the sexy. Um, star that a lot of these other teams have that you'd want to bet the house on, but um, basketball is a team sport, and I think they might have the best all-around team. Hence, why they have the best record. It shouldn't be a surprise, but um, I don't think many people think of it that way. And uh, and I think they'll be favorites against whoever they play in the the Mavs or the Clippers, um, and should win that series and. I, I think they'll be favored in every series they have, have until they potentially play the Nets in the finals. So, um, you know, they they got the second best title odds right now, at plus three ten, um, which which isn't bad. And if you look at it the way I was just saying that they'd be favored in every series until you get up to potentially the Nets. So, um, you know, people wonder if Donovan Mitchell can be your number one scorer. On a championship team, and I think he can. I mean, he proved last year in the first round. Okay, it was the first round, but that he can get you thirty-five in a series, um, and can go toe to toe with the best players in the league. And he he's not afraid of anyone, which I like about him. Um, and he's a great teammate too. That's the thing that they're they're all great teammates. They all get along. The ball doesn't stop moving. Everyone says it reminds him of the. 2013-2014 Spurs, which I'm not quite there, but it is the best imitation I've seen in a while. 
Um, and yeah, I think, I think they have, um, as good a chance as anyone to win the West. Yeah. Like you said earlier, this is just a team that fits together, plays hard and plays good basketball. Yeah. We were talking earlier about the clips and Mavs and you were excited for, uh, Luca, if he can get out of that series, I think they're going to get destroyed by the Jazz if he does. So, yeah. um, we'll see. But they, they're really good. I don't know if you know the betting odds are favorable for you know someone who's looking to make it up. I, I think um, they are definitely favored to get to the West Finals. Probably favored to make it to the finals, but yeah. um, plus three ten. Just, I don't think it's enough for me. No. When, like you said, they run into the Nets, and the Nets, it just looks so good. Yep. Yep, I, I don't think I really have too much to add to this series. Um, if there's anything else you have to add, let me know. Otherwise, um, I'd like to get your finals pick, um, and I'm going to hold you to it and make sure you're right. Yeah, uh, Nets are in the finals, basically book the ticket right now. Um, without Embiid on the other side, I think it's the winner of the series they're in right now, is the Eastern Conference representative. Uh, as far as the West, I think the Jazz are rightfully favored. Our right now Suns, um, I think, are the second choice for me. And... I am going to take the Suns going to the finals. Uh, I, I think that's partially just what I want to see more than maybe what I actually believe. And CB3 will not get his first ring. The Nets are going to take this. The, the, the firepower just can't be stopped. All right. Well, to, to not be boring, I'm going to take the Jazz against the Nets. I was going to take the Suns, but... I'll take the Jazz. I, I think if they meet in the final or the Western Conference Finals, that will be a hell of a series. And uh, and yeah, I, I can't pick against the Nets either, even though I kind of picked them in, against them in my article this week, like an idiot. So, um, but either way, we're going to see some good basketball. The second round is generally my favorite round because you get more basketball than you do in the Conference Finals and the Finals, and it's just as good with the eight best teams left in the league. So. Um, Andrew, thanks for joining me on this inaugural podcast. I appreciate it. We had a fun. We'll do it again soon. Everyone check back in and be sure to follow us on mrnolook.com. You can follow me on Twitter at jwhited, W-H-I-T-E-D, five. And you can follow me on Instagram at jwhited757. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye.